Good morning. Hello, good morning, good morning. I know you guys are used to just Brian saying good morning, let's worship. We're, we're changing things up a little bit, so you have to uh, listen to me before uh, we worship here in a few minutes. Well, good morning, welcome to Northside Baptist Church. Man, it's a great day to be in the house of the Lord, amen? Amen. amen. I hope you are eager to learn and to hear from God this morning, because I know uh, God's going to provide a powerful word uh, to us. If this is your first time with us at Northside, we are so thankful that you are here uh, to worship with us. Hopefully you received a bulletin when you came in. There is a, a place for you to fill out some information about yourself. You should have seen the box when you came in. If you'll put that card that you fill out in the box or you can hand it to me on your way out, we would greatly appreciate it. Again, you're our guest. We want to honor you. Uh, we want to answer any questions that you may have, and we are delighted that you are here uh, with us today. Let me start by making um, just a few announcements. Uh, hopefully you notice our Vacation Bible School July 11th through 16th. Uh, there's an easy way for you to sign up. You just scan that code right there, that QR code. It'll take you to where you can fill out some information. Please go ahead and register. Don't wait till the week of or the week before. Go ahead and register uh, for that. Just a note for our kids who are going to Children's Church, our order of service is a little bit different today. So we're going to sing two praise songs. The second praise song is called Your Will Be Done. So as the second praise song begins, uh, those of you who are heading to uh, Children's Church can make your way um, out there. Actually, you may want to wait till the middle of the song because I see Toby uh, is part of it and Toby, I believe, is playing. So uh, maybe wait till the middle of the song before you make your way out. I needed to, to check that because we mix it up a little bit. Um, you also see that on May 16th at 6 p.m., we're going to have a night of worship and missions. Our Sunday night schedule looks different in the summer. Uh, it's posted out there where the hand sanitizing station is. If you want to go ahead and see that, I'll have some flyers for you next week so you can go ahead and know all that we're doing uh, this summer. So today, uh, this weekend, is our debunked weekend. And, and we've already been so blessed with, with Carl Kirby. And uh, we spoke to the men yesterday morning and then spoke to our Upward families, spoke during Sunday school, spoke last night. I mean, it's been powerful. Uh, and he's, he's speaking this morning during worship, and he's going to come back tonight at 5 o'clock, and we'll talk at the end of the service uh, about that. But you're going to be blessed uh, by his ministry. And so what we want to do today at the end of the service on your way out is we want to take up a love offering for him and his ministry. Um, and it is, it's an incredible ministry uh, that, that, that's going on, this debunked. And so you're going to learn more about that today. And so what you're going to do is we'll have a couple guys out there with offering plates. Um, don't put that love offering in the box out there. Put it in the offering plate. If you're going to write a check, you make that out to Northside Baptist Church. And, and trust me, uh, after you hear him speak this morning, you're going to want to support the ministry um, and how God is using him uh, and working in his life. So I'm going to pray for us. In just a moment when I'm done, Pastor BJ is going to come. We're going to recognize we have three uh, seniors who are graduating from high school. So he's going to recognize them this morning. And then on May 23rd, so in a few weeks, uh, we're going to recognize them again. That's going to be the more formal, the cap and gown that morning. And we'll have some diplomas that we're going to give to them. Uh, but you guys know today's a transition Sunday uh, with Pastor BJ and, and the work that God is calling him and his family to and so we wanted him to be able to honor uh, those three seniors because he's been with them since sixth grade, since they came in. So that is rare. 
that a, a associate pastor, a student pastor stays that long and, and gets to minister to kids from sixth grade to their senior year. And so he's going to come uh, and recognize them in just, a, in just a moment. So let's pray. Father, and it is good, good to be in your house today. God, this is, this is your place. God, everything belongs to you. You are creator, sustainer. You are our redeemer, as we were reminded of in Sunday school. And Father, your word is what we are to build our lives upon. It is the authoritative, sufficient, necessary, effective, and errant word of God. So Father, as we begin this worship service, as we will sing some praise songs, as we'll praise your name, as we're going to recognize our three seniors, as Carl will come in a little while and, and preach the word of God, Oh God, we pray if there is anyone here that does not know you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior, that today would be a day of salvation. If there is anyone who is struggling, they're asking questions about their faith or about the Word of God. Father, we pray that, that we would be able to provide them answers, biblical answers. Answers that come from the Word of God and not our thoughts or our opinions. For those who may be watching online, we're delighted to have them join us as well. And Father, whether they're listening while driving down the road or sitting there in their living room, Spirit of God, speak to them. Nothing that's going to happen today is by accident. God, Your providence, Your sovereignty, may it be on display here today as Your people gather, humbling ourselves, coming before You. Because Jesus, we need Your grace. And we need Your mercy. We need to be reminded of your power and that you are still on the throne. So be lifted high today. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Um, I want to ask the, the graduates if you would to, to come up here up front on the on the floor, Lindsay has something she wants to hand to you, and uh, and I just thought of this as I was sitting there, and I can make changes today because I don't know. Get mad at me. Um, so I want I want the parents to join them as well, so we can spread out across here. That would be that would be fantastic. I'd love for your parents to come and join. Uh, and I know that that means that if parents were planning to take pictures, that somebody else got to take pictures. All right, all right. Let me let me share this. Um, with you this morning. Um, I'll start out by just telling you a quick story. A few years ago, uh, I visited a former student of mine, Zach Totherow. He was part of my youth group in Jessup, Georgia, but he and his family moved to Taylor, South Carolina his junior year in high school. He did really well and soon was enrolled as a student at Clemson University. Now, the day that I visited Zach, he was 23 and he was a patient in Greenville Memorial Hospital. He was dying of cancer. A few weeks later, I had the distinct honor of speaking at his funeral. Now, I don't share that story we did this morning in order to be morbid or to just be a downer here on this day of celebration, but, but rather it's something that I learned. I haven't always been really good at, at, at uh, applying what I've learned, but I learned this that day. And I, I just thought, why did I wait until a funeral to say something? And, and, and I think that a lot of us do that. Why do we wait until someone's funeral to tell them the impact that they've had on our lives? <clears throat> so let's do that today. 
And to that end, I want to share a few words of encouragement with you graduating seniors. So I'll just go in alphabetical order if that's all right. Emma Lucas, when I think of you, a word that comes to mind is charm. You have a charming smile and a wonderful disposition. You bring joy into most every situation. I've also seen tremendous growth in you. Uh, there's a reason, one of your favorite uh, scripture verses is 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. I remember a shy, bashful girl that would never volunteer to be in front of a group. Do you remember singing a duet one Christmas? <laughs> yeah. Hark the herald angels sing. You see, I knew that others needed to hear your voice. And now you lead others to the throne of grace as you lead in worship on a regular basis. I look forward to hearing all the wonderful things that God has in your future. You will do well. Alex Roth. Uh, man, I, I simply want to say thank you. Thank you for your servant's heart. For the last six years, you've been part of the youth group. I, I, I knew I could always count on you to help in whatever way possible. Sometimes you ran the computer or the soundboard. Other times you just you moved tables and chairs. Uh, you've served as an, upward, as, as an upward coach or referee. And you know, just a few weeks ago, you preached an incredible sermon. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you. You've been an example in humility, integrity, and faithfulness that your peers could follow. Well, a lot of adults could follow, too. Two memories I want to quickly share. One night you told me how you and a friend had been studying the Bible together. And you'd already, I believe, worked through James and were finishing up Hebrews. That was really exciting. And then on another occasion, and not too long ago, you told me how you and several youth from, from this church had gone out to Waffle House and you prayed with the waitress there. You have no idea how much of a blessing that was for me to hear. So again, I just say, thank you. Luke Vega. When I think of you, I think of a quiet and calculating man. Perhaps short on words, but never short on thought. Luke, you have a subtle sense of humor, and I love that. <laughs> You're also very determined. You have known what you wanted to do, and you've set yourself up to accomplish great things. You played football, specifically offensive line. And O-linemen are a special breed because their names are not written in the lights. Their highlights are not that flashy. In fact, Luke, if your name was ever called, it was usually a bad thing. <laughs> and I understand I was the same way. Well, you're headed to Mercer University now with hopes of getting into med school. Pre-med is very fitting for you because you like to help people. You will do well. It'll be hard, but that doesn't deter you. And I look forward to hearing of your success. And then to all the graduates, let me say this. As you move through life, you will enjoy and endure many different experiences. So let me give you a few final words. 
Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne, keeping our eyes on Jesus. Listen, when you find yourself surrounded by friends, which will happen when you go to college, I hope it does, look to Jesus. But when you feel utterly alone, look to Jesus. When you're excited about your class schedule, look to Jesus. When you're worried about that upcoming exam or project, look to Jesus. When you make the team, hit the final shot, score the winning run, look to Jesus. And when you drop the ball or miss the shot or get cut from the team, look to Jesus. When you're hungry and broke, look to Jesus. And go by the Baptist Student Union, they may feed you. When your parents are coming for the weekend and the dishes and the laundry are piled up, look to Jesus. And then do the laundry. When you're wondering if he or she is the one, look to Jesus. When you discover that they definitely are not the one, look to Jesus. In every situation that you find yourself, look to Jesus. Frederick Beekner said, here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. We look to Jesus. We don't have to be afraid of what's coming. He is faithful and he is good. I love you, but it's time to go. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to serve along with these students and their parents for the last eight years, six years in youth ministry. Lord, it's been a privilege. It's been an honor. Lord, we're sending them out. This is, uh, this, this is just a transition. And we send them out as missionaries, as ambassadors, not just of our church, but of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, keep them. May your face shine upon them. Let them do good things. Let them magnify your name wherever it is that you lead them. And let them look to Jesus. Let us all look to Jesus. And even now, as we continue this worship service and we lift up your name in song, let's look to Jesus. Let's turn our heart toward heaven. And glorify your name. I pray these in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, BJ. If, if you will all stand with us and sing. He's coming on the clouds, kings and kingdoms.
kingdoms will bow down Every chain will break As broken hearts declare His praise Oh, who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is a lion, a lion of Judah. He's roaring in power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before Him. Our God is a lamb, the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before Him. So open up the gates, make way before the King of Kings. The God who comes to save is here to set the captives free. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is a lion, the lion of Judah. He's roaring in power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before Him. Our God is a lamb. For the sins of the world, His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before Him. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? And who can stop the Lord Almighty? 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 Oh, who can stop the Lord? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring in power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb. For the sins of the world, His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before Him. Your will be done, my 
God and Father, as in heaven, so on earth, my heart is drawn to self-exalting. Help me seek your kingdom first. As Jesus walked, so I shall walk, held by your same unchanging love. Be still, my soul, oh, lift your voice and pray, Father, not my will, but yours be done. How in that garden he persisted, I may never fully know the fearful weight of true obedience. It was held by him alone. What wondrous faith to bear that cross. To bear my sin, what wondrous love. My hope was sure when there my Savior prayed, Father, not my will, but yours be Father, yes, to one great King I bow. As Jesus rose, so I shall rise in ransom glory at the throne. My heart restored with all your saints I sing. Father, not my will, but yours be done. As we go forth, our God and Father, lead us daily in the fight, that all the world might see your glory, and your name be lifted high. And in this name we overcome, for you shall see us safely home. Now as your church, we lift our voice and pray, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And in this name we overcome, for you shall see us safely home. Now as your church, we lift our voice and pray, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Father, not my will, but yours be done. Father, not my will, but yours be done. Father, not my will, but yours be Good morning. Uh, 
I love this church and all of its ministries, and I'm thankful God has let me be a part of this. I've always felt we're a small church that does, does big things. I marvel at all the different people God has brought together here to do all the things we need to do as a church, and just to thank the Lord for that. Uh, last year in Upward, football, we got cut short because of COVID. We got one game in, and I kept holding out, hoping we would be able to get back out there, but we never did. So it was a bit disappointing. This year, I wanted to kind of go a little bigger to kind of make up for last year. So we did a lot of things at the end of the season, try to add some flair and excitement. And one of those things was the speaker speaker we got. Uh, a lot of times we get just a local person. There's nothing wrong with that. It's fine. But uh, I, I just put in an inquiry at uh, the Reasons for Hope website because I had heard Carl speak 10 years ago at a conference in Florida. And I, re- and I thought he was a great speaker. And I said, well, I wonder if, what if he's available. So I kind of took a shot at his website. And they, his, his assistant came back and said, yeah, he's available. I said, all right. So we we work this out, and uh, those of you who have already, already heard Carl speak previously, you know what you're in store for. Those of you who haven't, um, it, he's, you'll find he's very bold, he's very focused, and he has, he has a heart for the ministry he does, and I, and I hope to get some of that passion, some of that passion in me so I can uh, do what I do, do what I do better. But uh, we're going to have Carl come around now, and he's going to present his message to us, and he's gonna, hopefully he tells you about his, his, um, his app that he has for his ministry, because he's... What you'll not see in, the, in the, our sanctuary is a merchandise table with so many speakers. Have. Everything he does is free. He puts it out there. It's free for, free for use. He wants you to take it and use it and uh, use it to spread the gospel. So, Carl, come on around, brother. Morning. Morning. Okay. <laughs> you remembered. Um, thank you all. This, is, this has really been a blessing. Uh, for a guy that, you know, in 2019, I was on the road 236 days, and 2020 was less than 50, uh, you know, I was like, yeah, that's a big shift. And then uh, this year, my January started off like amazing. It was like the most amazing January I've ever had. And then February, March, mm, died again. So to be able to be out with you guys is, is a privilege because uh, I love being able to get, just get out and engage folks. Uh, that's, that's a passion. So it uh, doesn't mean that I wasn't doing anything during those few months, but we've been doing a lot of work, quite frankly. And uh, Pastor Beatty, I just got to say, man, you had me in tears. I don't know these guys, and I'm crying over here, buddy. <laughs> I'm thinking about my son. My son's a uh, youth pastor. In the last eight years at, our, at the church we attend, don't laugh, Big Bone Baptist. <laughs> and I'm proud of it. Thank you very much. We go back to 1876. Thank you very much. <clears throat> and my son's been the uh, youth pastor, slant assistant pastor, slant whatever other hat they want to put on him uh, since that time. And now he is uh, he's at the stage where some of the young folks he's worked with are getting married and that sort of thing. So it's amazing to watch that and to see someone that sticks with that generation that long is a real testament um, because this generation needs stability. They need somebody like that. So thank you for that. Uh, by the way, I, I, as we were talking about the youth yesterday, I told you we were doing a, a youth conference down in this area. I don't know how far, I might've been wrong. Marietta, how far away is Marietta? About an hour? Okay. Well, that's where we're doing that youth conference in uh, July 25th to 30th. So if y'all got a group of youth that you want to send down there, um, it's going to be myself, Juan Valdez is one of my other speakers. Brian Scoggin is the uh, former drummer for Casting Crowns. He's a dear friend of mine. And he's doing ministry with us now. And he's going to be one of the speakers and a guy named Dave Delander, who's actually up in uh, Lawrenceville, Georgia. And it's a week-long apologetic camp, but we also have a lot of fun, man. It's, uh, and uh, if you want information, I'll get that to you. But being that you all were this close, I wanted to make you aware of that. 
uh, because that to me is where you can really do ministry. This, I said this yesterday, the day before yesterday, I think with Pastor Aaron and Mr. Chris, thank you for making this happen. And, and, and I, I hope you all by now know a little bit of my heart. I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but to me many times the speaking part, this is kind of like dog and pony show. This is where you can educate and maybe stir up real ministry because the real ministry is taking place in between at the camps, in between the speaking sessions, when you're real, you know. Uh, the speaking hopefully just gets minds running to stimulate questions and, and get things to deal with real things. So that's why I love the camp setting so much because after the third day, it's really on. The first two days, everybody's kind of like, you know, hesitant for the most part. But after the third day, it's like, it is on. <laughs> so, so uh Please pray for us. We love to do that type stuff. But this morning, I'm speaking to y'all, but I'm also speaking to me because every time I give this talk, I am challenging me. When you know who I truly am, not this facade that you see put up here in front of you, this is not Carl Kirby. Carl Kirby is an introvert. Carl Kirby is someone who hides when it comes to people. I don't like people. I, I would... <laughs> I'm just being real. I hide, man. I mean, at the party, is like, where's Carl? Yeah, that's me. Uh, um, but then the Lord got a hold of me, and it's like, he's about people. He loved people so much he died for them. And it's like, so Carl, you need to get out and do your peace. But I do this with fear and trepidation, and I mean that, seriously. I, you think, people think I'm bold. I am not bold. I am a chicken. But when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, you got to do what he calls you to do. And, and he's called me to get out and to, to challenge people and to live what I'm preaching. So I talk about becoming bold. One of the biggest privileges for me in ministry, by the way, could I ask you to do me a favor, Mr. Chris? Could you kill like these stage lights? Would that be all right? Would that really mess up your camera or something? Because I want, I want these pictures to pop here. I, I got a really neat picture. Well, I get to, I, I, well, I used to get to travel <laughs> and hopefully it'll pick up again. But one of the neat places I got to go to a few years ago was Molokai, Hawaii. You ever hear of it? It was ministry, thank you very much. <laughs> but I'm not gonna lie, it was cool ministry. I had a blast there. But the first time I ever been there, and, and so I set up everything, it was at Molokai Baptist Church, set up everything, and, and I walked out the front door to, to, to just, you know, the worship team was doing their thing, so I wanted to give them space, and I walk out and I took this picture out the front door of Molokai Baptist Church. And I walked back inside, my assistant was with me and her husband and my wife, and I walked in, I showed them this picture, and my assistant immediately looked at that picture and said, what a great picture of the cross. What? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I didn't see the cross when I took the picture. <laughs> I, my focus had been on the rainbow. And now why would I share that with you? Because. When it comes to this topic of becoming bold, I think things can be right there in front of us and we can miss them sometimes. That same year, I went to Saskatoon, Canada. You ever heard of Saskatoon, Canada? I had never heard of Saskatoon, Canada. But I got there, it was amazing ministry. I, I mean, really good ministry. But I got back from that ministry and I'm watching the news one night and there was a police car chase from Saskatoon, Canada on the news. You remember that big news? You don't remember that. I T-vote it. You got to see this.
You, you don't remember seeing that on CNN? Yeah, that's fake news. Um, no, that's not a Canadian, uh, that's actually a Canadian Midas Tire commercial. <laughs> but when I saw it, by now, you know I'm weird. When I saw it, it was like this thing hit me. It was like, look, police officers, they deserve our respect. They need our support. They need our prayers now more than ever and all this craziness that's going on in our culture. But the job is straightforward, protect and serve. That is an easy day at the office. The bad guy's stuck six foot in front of you. All you got to do is walk up. You're under arrest, (laughs) right? But he didn't do it. He got out and he pushed his car. So here's my two premises before I get into this getting bold thing. Number one, things can be right there in front of us and we can miss them. Number two, things can be really simple and straightforward and we make them a whole lot more difficult than they need to be. And so that's going to be my approach as we address this topic. James 1.5 is where I'm going to key off of this morning and we'll work down through verse 8. If, you, if any of you lack wisdom, what are you supposed to do? Oh, thank you. You still remember. Questions require responses. Ask Who? This is a key to understanding how you can have 400,000 churches across the nation of America, 400 plus thousand churches across the nation of America, with all of our Christian church shoes and those of you that were in Sunday school, you know what I'm talking about, all that Christian stuff, and we can be where we are today. How can that be so? Because I'm going to suggest to you that in those 400,000 churches, we have a lot of folk that are not asking God when they lack wisdom. They are asking Many times man. And if you don't think that's the case, come with me to your local Christian bookstore, which I'm not attacking. But take a look at what the top sellers are. We're asking man, not God. Why don't we ask God many times? Why don't we trust his word enough to go to him to seek those answers? Because of the next verse here, nothing wavering. Doubt is the tool that Satan has used from the very beginning to get us to where we are today. That's what we talked about in Sunday school. And what happens when you start getting doubt? James 1.8, think of it. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And I'm going to suggest to you that what I'm seeing is that we have a bunch of folks sitting in pews that are trying to put one foot on the world's wisdom and one foot on the Word of God. Those two foundations are not the same. And a double-minded man is unstable. And if a Christian isn't willing to put both feet firmly on the Word of God, why should the lost want anything to do with it? They see us when we tap dance. They see us when we make excuses. And I've got to tell you, I learned as a young man, nothing good comes from straddling. You better put both feet firmly on something. And if it's not the Word of God, you really don't have a solid foundation. Doubt is the tool that Satan has used from the very beginning. We talked about that in the Sunday school. It's the same tool that he's using today. The questions just change. And that's what's interesting. He doesn't need a new tool. He throws out things. Well, there's no evidence for God. Anybody in here, anybody ever heard a claim like that? There's no evidence for God. Anybody? Anybody? Two hands. Wow, I've got to start checking my questions. Only two people have ever heard a claim like that. You've heard that. Well, by the way, how many have heard me speak already? I think a lot of you by now. So you know that I've got those debunked videos that I want you to have, and you can get them. You can go to our YouTube channel. You can watch them for free, or I'll tell you how you can get them uh, early in a, in a second. But there is one, number one, the very first one is there's no evidence for God. Please go and watch it. And I understand that, Mr. Chris, I don't know if you've been the one showing those debunked videos, but I guess your church has been showing them. Thank you. 
Praise God, that's why we created them. We wanted folks to use them, but that's number one. But I'm not gonna do that one for you this morning because I'm gonna go a step further. Because once you've dealt with that, well, there's a God that created, okay, okay. Well, if uh, there's a God that created everything, then who created God? And so that is typically where I will go with a debunked video. How many of you have not seen a debunked video? Not. Oh, so not very many. Okay, I'll show it to you. I think I've got the time to do this. Let me, I'm going to show you this one because there was probably about 30% of you that hadn't seen one before. Animated, fast-paced, going after younger generation with a 2.2-second attention span. Okay? And people think I'm joking. That's what the research shows. 2.2-second attention span, which, by the way, is less than a goldfish. <laughs> a goldfish has a 3-second attention span, supposedly. How would you like to be the researcher doing that research? Okay, these are goldfish. This is a stopwatch. And I want you to figure out how long they can pay. Pay attention to what, bubbles? I mean, anyway, somebody supposedly did this research and they now know that a goldfish will pay attention for about three seconds. So when I go after younger generation, it is different, just being honest. And so this is the approach. Well, if God made everything, then who made God? Put your seatbelts on, let's address it. You know, people misunderstand all kinds of things about the nature of God, which leads them to say interesting things like, if everything that begins needs a beginner, then so does God. Or, hey man, if every effect has to have a cause, then God has to have a cause. Or even, if God created everything, then something or someone had to create God. There it is, a boom, mic drop. No mic drop. Pick it up because those statements don't merit such a thing. And here's why. Basically, we got three French hens. Two hurl above the far ridge as I tear free. What? Yep. Shoot them down nice and easy. One ultimate question, kind of spun as three. Bumbled briefly by Bub because brevity bespeaks benevolence, benefiting belabored beholders. And pull. Statement et une, as no one from France would say, but I ain't French. If everything that begins needs a beginner, then so does God. And that would be a great point if God began, but the statement says everything that begins needs a beginner, not that everything needs a beginner. God didn't have a beginning, so he doesn't need a beginner. He is, as the Bible declares, eternal and everlasting. On to el statementavo de doso, which probably doesn't mean what I think it should. If every effect has a cause, then God has to have a cause. Well, again, that would be a good point if God was the effect of something, but he wasn't because nothing caused God. He's the uncaused cause who causes all other causes. This means he's the only necessary uncreated anything. All other things are created and contingent, therefore in need of said cause. And so we're here at La Statementanto de Finale, as once spoken by nobody from Italy or anywhere else, I imagine. If God created everything, then somebody or something had to create God. Well, that doesn't really follow because, again, God is eternal and unmade. Sorry to be repetitive, but nobody or no thing created God. And he certainly didn't create himself because that would be, well, absurd. He is the one who created all things. Colossians 1.16 puts it this way. By him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. And we all actually know this just by looking around at things. That's why Romans 1.19 and 20 says, For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. This means if you pondered the world and the universe, you'd come to the common sense conclusion, at least at minimum, an immaterial, powerful, personal, intelligent, spaceless, and timeless being created the universe. Whoa, now hold on a cotton-picking minute. 
Why would I come to that conclusion, you might ask with fervor? Well, because we know the universe began to exist, and that means it had a cause. So then, what caused it? Well, you got three choices, really. You got nothing, you got an abstract, or you got a being with the aforementioned qualities. Unprovable multiverses or crystals on the backs of turtles won't do. Now, it seems to me that Billy Preston dismantles the first option when he's saying, nothing from nothing, leave nothing. Yeah, no, don't quit the day job, but what he spins is true, my brothers and sisters. You get nada from nothing because nothing is, as Aristotle asserted, the thing rocks dream of. Hmm. So what about an abstract something? Say like the number four. Well, last I checked, the number four can't talk, can't eat, can't think, can't do much of anything. So that leaves us with the being with the same characteristics described in the Bible that we'd expect if we never read the Bible, and that being is God the creator and sustainer of the universe. He was not made, he was not caused, he was not created. He had no beginning, he had no end, he had no superior, he has no equal, he has no boundaries, he has no limits, he has no weakness, he's infinite, he's eternal, he's all-powerful, he's the Alpha and Omega, he's all-knowing, he's spaceless, he's timeless, he's spirit, and unlike Visa, he's everywhere, period. Might be nice to drop that mic now. And there it is. This unfounded claim that God needs a beginner or a cause or that somebody made God has been, as it were, hitherto and a henceforth a debunked adios. Yep. There we go. Sorry about that. One of these days, I am going to put a camera on the audience's faces <laughs> and play it back because I love watching faces. It's like... What in the world? That's way too much information. I couldn't get it. And I agree, it is. It's way too much information. But it was done with a very specific purpose in mind. Done in a way to be different from what the culture is expecting for, from Christians. Done in a way to hopefully encourage people to, man, I want to watch that again and glean a couple more nuggets from it. So, uh, if you want to watch these things totally free, all you got to do is go to our YouTube channel. All right, go to YouTube, forward slash, reasons for, F-O-R, hope. Reasons is plural. And you can watch them all up there for free. If you'd like to get them uh, on your phone, uh, in about two weeks, our brand new app's gonna be out. I was showing Mr. Bill our, our app. I've got the working model right now. It's at the Apple Store to get approved, and it has a lot of stuff on it, and even more going up. Uh, you'll be able to watch them there for free. Reasons for, F-O-R, hope. Just look for that on the App Store. And like I say, it's going to be about a couple weeks. If you download it now, it's not going to work. Um, but anyway, you can get that. If you'd like to get them straight to your phone and get them bef when we release new ones and get it straight on your phone, all you got to do is take your smartphone out. Go ahead if you want it. I'll tell you how to do it. It's very simple. You go to your smartphone, messaging software, push the new message. I don't know what PCs look like, but a Mac looks like this. And you go there and use the recipient as 51555 and you send a simple message of adios Noonan. When you send that, you're gonna get a link back and it has that, uh, a message back and it has a link and there's a form. Fill that form out and when you submit it, you're gonna get a link to uh, free booklets dealing with various topics. You're gonna get video, uh, links to the videos, to debunk TV and you'll get the brand new ones when we release them before we release them to the general public, because you become a debunked defender, and I will ask you to pray for us. Not selling you, it's free, but I will ask you to pray for us, okay? Um, now, if God created everything, then who created God? I know what some of you can say. Well, I show that, but then I'll also do this with people when I'm talking on the street with them. It's like, okay, okay. Uh, so you can't believe that there's a God created everything because you need something that created God. 
By the way, did you understand that both Christians and non-Christians have a creator? Think about it. Christians and non-Christians both have a creator. There had to be something that everything came from. So let's contrast the two very briefly. They both have three letters. They both begin with the letter G. Theirs, lowercase g, gas. Hmm, where'd the gas come from? Don't worry about that. Uh, Our case, it's an uppercase G. God. Which one makes the most sense? In the beginning God or in the beginning gas? You want evidence for a designer? Take a look around. Do you, know, do you know how this building got here, Pastor Aaron? I know you've only been here 15 months. I did research before I came here, and I found the history. Do you, do you know how this got here? Your nice flat fields over there, that used to be a lumber mill, and it exploded one day, and all that lumber fell into place over here. Made, just made <laughs> Random chance processes, man. Just big explosion. You look at this building, you know that somebody was involved with that. Look in a mirror. Which one makes the most sense? In the beginning, God. In the beginning, gas. Look, you either get God or you got gas. You got gas, Bino will help you, but I'm not going to go there. (laughs) Yes, I do that. Because I'm tweaking people. I want them to think. I want them to walk away from a conversation just thinking. It's not my job to convict or convert. It's not our job to convict or convert. It's our job to converse, to give an answer for the reason for the hope that lies within us and leave people just thinking. Now, I'll do something else with them, though. I'll say, okay, so you think it's ridiculous to believe that there's a God that created. Then uh, let me show you a short video. Tostitos, how'd you think of these scoops chips? It was the 1990s. Dips had become extreme. Layers of intense ingredients. It was too much. (sighs) I was a broken chip, and I needed to change. But how? I wandered the world looking for answers. I looked at stuff. Then it hit me. I changed my shape. Now I'm ready for any dip. Even this big old dip? Booyah! Bring it! Bring it! Booyah! 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 This is where I need that camera on the audience again. No, Tostitos is not my sponsor, and I'm having to show their commercial for sponsorship money. No. There's a very important point behind that. And this is what I do to that person, right? Especially college campus. Love it with those guys. Is there anybody in here who honestly, this is what I ask them, who honestly, genuinely believes that a bag of chips can talk? (laughs) Thank you. Those folks are really hard to have conversations with, and there's a lot of them on college campuses today, (laughs) unfortunately. Um, Is there anybody in here who honestly, genuinely believes that a chip doesn't like the way that it looks anymore, so it can change its shape all by itself? Anybody? No, you're like, Carl, that's stupid. That's ridiculous. Oh, I'm not supposed to say stupid. I'm sorry, younger generation, don't say that word. My wife gets mad at me. Don't say that. Grandchildren listening. That's really not good, okay? Okay, so if it is so ridiculous to think that a bag of chips can talk or a chip can change its shape, if that's so ridiculous, then why is this not ridiculous? Over the course of 14 billion years, hydrogen gas transformed itself into... Mountains, butterflies, the music of Bach, and you and me. So, Carl, it's ridiculous to think that a bag of chips can talk or a chip can change its shape, but it's science to teach that over the course of 14 billion years, hydrogen gas, which where did it come from? Don't worry about that transformed itself into mountains and butterflies. 
the music of Bach, and you would die. And that's science, you fundamentalist hicks. How can you argue against science? We've got gas. <laughs> I put it very simply. If you think hydrogen gas is the response, if that's how we got everything that we see around us, I got one word for you. Inconceivable! Millennials get it. By the way, this guy, I found his baby picture. Dude looks the same today as when he was a baby. <laughs> So, and by the way, I do this. I honestly do this. It's like the people that I'm talking to sometimes are like, did we go into the twilight zone? I mean, this is, this is weird. But they walk away thinking. And if that's all it takes is to be a little goofy, to challenge thinking, I will be that. I will be your clown if that's what it takes to get you to think about things that are serious. I will challenge thinking. But here's what I run into. We loved it, I told you, we do the man on the street type stuff, and now I'm at this stage in ministry where I am removing myself from the pictures and the videos, right? And younger generation, we're pouring into them, I'm training them. I will be the guy behind the camera, very happy to be that person. I don't need to be on film anymore. I want this younger generation. We're in the discipling mode right now. So we go do the man on the street stuff and just engage people in conversations. It's never arguing, it's never fighting, it's never mocking. You're sitting here today and you hear a lot of sarcasm. Yeah, I use sarcasm. But not when I'm talking with lost people, I'm not mocking and ridiculing. I'm using it today to keep you awake. All right? So we'll go out and do that. And by the way, here's a specific prayer request for us. We, uh, we got an old 69-ish bus. It's built in Brazil, so we think it's around 69. It's got parts from all over. But uh, we debunked that joker out, man. We take it out on the street. We were actually just up in Lawrenceville. We stayed, the hotel I'm staying at right now, I stayed at about eight months ago and the one right next door to it. And we took one of the young folks, we, we took the 20-year-olds out on the street to do this and we took the one young lady, Lexi, she'd never eaten at a Waffle House. So we took her to Waffle House, told them it was her birthday. They put the whole thing on for her, man, it was awesome. But we take the bus out and we just put it out in a park and we, you open that back up there, there's a wooden table that pops out, got a flat screen TV in the back with a sound system, open the doors up and it is a magnet for people. And it's the people that we wanna have conversations with. And they come up, we're just talking, and in the course of the conversation, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're Christians, we just like going out and talking to people about God. What do you think about God? Oh, there's no evidence for God. Really? I got a short video, can I show it to you? Show them the video. What do you think about that? It's amazing, the conversations that we get. Well, if there's a God that created everything, then who created God? Hey, I got a short video, can I show it to you? <laughs> well, the Bible's full of mistakes and errors. I got a video, can I show it to you? And we get great conversations. So pray for us. We're doing that. We take people out on the street. This is actually up in, I'm going to mispronounce it, Hotchkiss? Hotchkiss? H-O-C-H-O-S? Right up by Lawrenceville? Some, what is it? Something like that. Yeah, H-O-S-C-H-O-N, right? Hoshin? Yeah, that's it. So that's, we, that's, these are the guys out on the street just engaging. So I wanted to share some of the video with you that we get because this is what I see in the culture. And by the way, the questions that we'll ask many times, Christian, non-Christian, doesn't matter. If I get a Christian, I ask Christians questions about their 
foundation. I get a non-Christian, I ask them about their foundation because what I have found is I don't care how far left you are, how far right you are, everybody believes something, but very few can give answers why they believe what they say they believe. It's just like a rote thing. We can regurgitate what we heard somebody else say. And unfortunately, regurgitation isn't pretty, doesn't look good, doesn't smell very good, and we shouldn't educate like that. We need to teach critical thinking. So here's a young man named Cordero. This was done up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and Adam is the young man that did these interviews. First question he asked was, do you read the Bible? Cordero responded with, yes, I do. Praise God, we got us a Bible reader, so it'll be a good interview. Okay, Cordero, how do you believe we got everything that we see? There's only four options. God created in six days. God created an old earth, long ages. Uh, intelligent design, there's something out there. We don't know what it is. Could be a very variety of things. Or naturalistic processes over millions of years. Cordero responded with... Um, well, I would definitely say that... Uh the Big Bang Theory definitely doesn't cover it to me. Um, as far as what I've learned throughout my lifetime, I just basically go along with the six days of creation thing. Isn't that great? Cordell read the Bible. Cordell believes God created in six days. Isn't that great? Hello? That was horrible. Didn't you hear the way that he responded, the hesitancy? Let's be honest here. I'm not trying to be nasty to you. The way I was raised. Do you think that's going to work in this culture? No, they're going to turn it back on you. What makes the way that you were raised any better than the way that I was raised? You think you're this. You're better than me. You close-minded. They're going to attack you with that stuff. The way I was raised, I just kind of go along with, I believe, I think. Do you genuinely, honestly believe that that type of a faith is going to impact this culture as mean and nasty as they are? It's not. Matter of fact, what's going to happen is that individual that throws that out there and then I shut them down is going to become quiet and not going to talk anymore as a minimum. Hello? 400,000 plus churches across the nation of America and Christianity is almost invisible in the culture? Do you believe the Bible contains mistakes or errors, Cordero? This is rubber meets the road right here. I'd say... There's confidence. There are definitely some things that I read that seem kind of shaky to me, yeah. Guys, we're done. The minute Genesis becomes shaky, why is John so solid? How do we get so many different races if we all go back to one man and one woman, Cordero? How do we get the black people, white people, blue people, green people, yellow people? How do we get all those different colored people? By the way, if you don't think that's an issue that we should be addressing, you don't get out much. How'd, we, how'd that happen, Cordero? That, I honestly don't know. If you can't answer that question, why should I trust you on anything else? It is an issue. Science has proven that the earth is millions of years old, Cordero. Everybody knows that. The Bible teaches that there was no death before Adam sinned. If the Bible's true, then how do you explain a fossil that's 300, 400 million years old? Because a fossil is a dead thing? Did Adam live 300 million years ago? Let me rephrase it for you, make it simple. Fill in the blank. The wages of sin is? What? You don't believe that. You can't believe that. Because all I need to do is take you down to the local museum and show you a fossil that's 100 million years old, 200 million years old, 300 million years old. A fossil is what? It's a dead thing. That means that there were dead things long before Adam ever came onto the scene because Adam didn't live 300 million years ago. 
Are you seeing a problem? Now, I don't believe those dates. I'm just telling you that's a tool that's being used to get a generation to doubt. Because the minute I get you to suck onto that hundreds of millions of years old thing, you have destroyed the reason Christ came and died on a cross. Because the wages of sin is death. Why? Because what did God create? He created perfection, gave us the freedom to make a decision. We blew it. The ugly, nasty things we see are not God's fault, it's ours. He gave us what he wanted. As a matter of fact, he's going to restore the new heavens and the new earth to what it was like in the beginning. Cordero, how do you deal with that? On that, um, it's really hard to say. Um, like I'm saying, like my personal opinion, just from the way I was raised, I go along with the biblical definitions of most things, but uh, I guess I really couldn't answer that question. I am not trying to mock Cordero. This is just typical of a conversation that I get into with Christians. Carl, lighten up. It's Sunday, man. Lighten up. Okay. How'd they fit two of every seven of some 10 billion species of animals on a wooden boat, Cordero? How'd they do that? Once again, sorry if this doesn't help much, but no clue. If you want to have a clue on how to deal with these answers, then we need to approach these things from a different perspective. And here's what I mean by that, and please allow me to illustrate it. Does, I'm sorry, do Christians and non-Christians have the same stars? Hello? Do we have the same rocks? Do we have the same people? Why do we have such different explanations for them then? Yeah. It's not an evidence issue. Christians and non-Christians all have the same evidence. We interpret that evidence based on a worldview. I'll illustrate it like this. Simple question. How do they get the balls to roll uphill? Now, I'm a nice guy, so I'm going to help you out here. There's no reverse photography. There's no magnets pulling them uphill. There's no strings pulling them uphill. And there's no air blowing them uphill. When I'm working with young generations specifically, one of the first things I'll say to them is you better learn to question the question because I can ask you a question in such a way that you cannot give a correct response, right? We should be asking a question. Are the balls rolling uphill? That is a very good question. And it depends on your perspective, your worldview. Let's take the exact same evidence, look at it from a different perspective, and then I'll ask the question again. How do they get the balls to roll uphill? And the answer is, they don't. But did it not look as if they were rolling uphill? So here's the uh, point that I want to make to you. When 80 to 85% of the Christian homes send their children to the government schools to be trained 900 hours a year to think like the world because they learn a history of astronomy, biology, geology, anthropology, chemistry that teaches them to think like the world, then that same young person is reinforced with 1,064 of television, even on the you know, screen, but 1,064 is the average time they watch there, which is then reinforced with 936 hours a year of playing video games. Think of all those hours where they're learning a history of astronomy, biology, geology, anthropology, chemistry that undermines the Word of God. And then how many hours do we spend training them to deal with it? Oh, well, we got Sunday school, so there's an hour a week. Then we got service, two hours a week. Then we got Sunday evening service. Whoa, you're still a church that has a Sunday evening service. How novel. Three hours a week. Youth group, four hours a week. By the way, 
you guys have been blessed and you don't know how blessed you have been to have a youth leader that is pouring into youth. I do a lot of youth events, including very big youth things where I walk up on stage after the guy has been up there, got a table, I want five volunteers, okay? I'm gonna give $20 to the one who wins the competition. Five volunteers come up, got a can of Coke, open it, gonna give $20 to the person that chugs the can of Coke. Oh, but wait, there's more. Take your sock off, put it over the can of Coke. Now I'm gonna give $20 to the first kid who drinks the can of Coke through the sock. No, but wait, there's more. Pass your can of Coke to the person to your right. And I'm now going to give you $20 to the kid who drinks the can of Coke through the dirty sock of their neighbor. I hope you've not done that. You've not done that one? Oh, thank you. I'm hanging in the wind, man, when I do that. And it's like, and I'm sitting here, and then I come up after that. This, these guys drank a can of Coke through a dirty sock of their neighbor. So what's Carl do when he walks up? Carl's the joy kill. Carl walks up and says, guys, I got to apologize to you because we just taught you to prostitute yourself for 20 bucks. Because if you will drink a can of Coke through the dirty sock of your neighbor for 20, I'll give you 30, huh? What you gonna do for me if I give you 30? 40? What's your price? You are a child of the king. Don't let anybody ever diminish you again for 20 bucks. So I'm the joy kill. But guys, I'm just saying, we, I love having fun. We're gonna have a blast when we're out at the camp and that sort of a thing, but I'm not gonna do anything to diminish their value. We have a generation that the world's already doing that to them. They're learning this history of astronomy, biology, geology, anthropology, chemistry that undermines their value and your worth. But the Bible, come on, Carl, the Bible doesn't talk about astronomy. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. God said, that needs to become the rallying cry of every Christian, not what do you think, what do you think, what do you think. God said he created the earth on day one. God said he created the sun, moon, and stars on day four. Is that not what God said? Is that not astronomy? Yes, it is. What I see in the world, is it consistent with what I read in the Word? Let me ask you a question. How many observable stars are there in the sky? I'm not talking the total number of stars, because that's a really big number. I'm just talking about the ones we can see using the greatest technology that we have. It's a seven followed by 22 zeros. Who invented counting that high? <laughs> Seriously, we're eight men bashing each other with rocks, and we got somebody figuring out to count a seven to 22 zeros? Look, if you, if you left up the invention of counting to Carl, 5, 10, 15, 20, 20. How many people you got here today? 20. That's it. <laughs> a 7 followed by 22 zeros? Do you know how big that number is? That number is greater than every grain of sand on every beach and desert on our planet. And you're not impressed. Guys, there is no known naturalistic process to make a single star. You think a Big Bang explains that? I'll give you all the gas you want. Go blow it up. You're going to make a star? Mm -mm. You're going to make a mess. And by the way, you shouldn't be impressed. You know why? Because it's actually 10 times more stars than grains of sand. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to impress you a little bit here. The total number of stars, including the ones that we cannot see, according to the non-Christian, please help me. Read that last word there. What? Do you know what I almost did when I read that, I almost went charismatic. <laughs> I did. I almost went, amen. Because, brother, I'm telling you, that's charismatic in my book. I was raised in the church where you sit, you stare, and you can blink every three seconds. You better not double blank. 
Forget about it. Amen. You know why? It takes an infinite God to create an infinite number of stars to speak them into existence from nothing. And by the way, he knows them all by name. That's the God that we serve. And you want me to give him up because you got gas. What about biology? Does the Bible deal with biology? You better believe it does. Well, Carl, you don't understand. Yeah, God said, but you, you see, God didn't understand science because science teaches that you had these ape-like ancestors and they evolved into the black folk in Africa. Some of those black folk, they ate fish. That's bird brain development. They got smarter. Then they moved north and turned white. You're laughing? You want me to show you the video? That's exactly what it teaches. And we wonder why there's such racism in our culture. By the way, I'm a simple man. Eating fish makes you smart. Then I should be dumber than a brick. I'm just saying, okay? Because I'm not a big fish guy, all right? My wife loves fish. My wife's Asian. She's Japanese. And she loves fish. And I'm talking those little, tiny, nasty-smelling fish, right? You're driving home, she's cooking fish. I'm a block from, she is cooking fish. I had to lay down the law. I am telling you right now, I am the man of the house. You cannot cook those fish in the house. I wear the pants. She just tells me which ones to wear, but you cannot cook those fish in the house. You think squeezing toothpaste in the middle or the end is a big deal? Try coming home and smelling fish when you don't like fish. Guys. You think we got white people because black folk ate fish, got smart, moved north? Hello, they were living in the desert on the beach and they moved north where it's cold. You're telling me smart people move up to the cold? Uh-uh, smart people stay on the beach. It's the dummies that move up north where the snow is. Forget it, that's so ridiculous. That's what science, quote unquote, teaches. What does God teach? God said, rally and cry of every Christian. God said what? We go back to one man, one woman. I don't care how much you don't like me right now. We are having a family reunion because I am related to you. I'm like that crazy Uncle Ernie that only comes around like every three, four years and you're happy for it. But we are all related. And I don't care what you look like on the outside. Because what did God say? We'll get to it. But what does science say? Let's let science talk for one second. Why chromosome passed from the father to the child? They studied every culture on this planet. I don't care what you look like on the outside. Every person on this planet goes back to one man. I could have saved a lot of time and money on that research. Mitochondrial DNA has passed from the mother to the offspring. Guess what? Don't care what you look like. Every person on this planet goes back to one woman. God's been telling us that from the beginning. 1 Corinthians 15, 45, first man, Adam. That means we're all related. Genesis 3, 20, Eve was called Eve because she is mother of all living. That means we go back to one woman. Acts 17, 26 says we are all of one blood. The Bible never talks about race other than running a good race. It talks about one race, the human race. We are all of one blood. Now, don't get me wrong, culture's real. Culture's real. But there's only one race, the human race. I told you, my wife's Japanese. Culture's real. Her parents have lived with us for 33 years, 10 months, three weeks, two days. And you think I'm joking. No, they have. Her father passed away two years ago. But guess what? She's Japanese. She's the oldest. She doesn't have any brothers. It's her responsibility to take care of her parents. You can't handle that? Don't marry an Asian. They have a culture. 
It's been the biggest blessing of my life, quite frankly. I joke about it, but I, I am blessed. But see, here's the point, guys. If you're going to get down to the race issue, Christians are the only one that have an answer to racism. His name is Jesus, and we're all created in his image. But Carl, how'd you get all those different colored people? That's another talk, and I can only cover so much in a talk. If you want to get to it, get with me. I'm here until this afternoon after I finish up, and then I'll head up to Griffin. But I'll be here. If you want to get together and talk, I am more than happy to go through this with you. It is not complex. By the way, I went to a uh, conservative source to help me out on this, Huffington Post, uh, because of... <laughs> this might shock you. You might want to put your seatbelt on. They've studied all the different cultures, and we now know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Guess what? Wait for it. We all go back to one man and one woman, and... They lived at the same time. Can I get a collective duh? I mean, hello, it's not gonna work any other way. I mean, we don't have to go deep here, but it's not gonna work, trust me, if it didn't happen that way. But Carl, geology, oh, geology, that proves there are millions of years, there's no God. I mean, geology, come dig dinosaur bones with me in July. The rocks cry out. You don't want to do that? Let me know, and I'll hook you up with some folk that take people. I don't do these trips anymore, but they are amazing. I used to take people down the Grand Canyon. When you go down the canyon, the rocks cry out. This, this is one of the things that you'll see. That's me standing up there. It's a hike, too, but it's worth it. You see the folding and the strata? That's over 1,000 feet of strata laid down, and according to the evolutionary model, which we need to know better than the world, it took millions of years for all those layers to lay down. Slowly, gradually, particles falling down, building up layers over millions of years, and then you had an uplift and you bent rock. Anybody want to tell me how you bend rock? Anybody? 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 There's one known mechanism. It's called heat. But if you heat sandstone up to the point that it will become flexible, what's going to happen to the sandstone? It's not going to be sandstone anymore. You want to walk up and see these curves? I'll show them to you. They're sandstone. The actual evidence supports the fact that this was laid down rapidly. It was still soft when you had the uplift so that you get folding and not cracking and breaking. Do we have an explanation? Wow. It would take a lot of water to lay down a lot of dirt over a short amount of time. Psalm 104.8 says that at the end of the flood, God did what? He raised the mountains, he lowered the valleys, all that dirt that had been laid down over the course of that year would have still been soft. You'd have had bends in the strata and not breaks. And by the way, that's just one. Bunches of them I can show them to you. The rocks cry out. But, 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 here's my point. We don't want to deal with astronomy, biology, geology. That's the world. We let the world deal with that. But we are Christians and we have morals. Thank you very much. We don't smoke. We don't drink. We don't chew. We don't date girls that do. We don't like that long hair stuff. We don't like that piercing. And you better not come in here with those tats. Thank you very much. We are Christians and we have our morals. Excuse me. Don't you understand that the morals are based in the history? If you want biblical morals, you have to have biblical history. As we talked about in Sunday school, why is marriage one man, one woman for life? Because I think so, you think so, law of the land states it. No, a few years ago we voted for that change and we got it. It has not got anything to do with what I think, you think, or anybody else thinks. It has everything to do with what the creator of the institution said. Why is abortion wrong? Carl, you're a hater. You're ta No, I'm not. Abortion is wrong, not because I voted for a law, but because the creator of life said from the point of conception, you're a human being. Now, if you've messed up, it's called sin, and what do you do? 
if you confess your sins, he will forgive you. And it's not something that we have to hang around our neck and his baggage that we walk through the rest of our life with. If you don't release it, that's what will happen. It will destroy you. But when you have Christ as your Savior and you turn it over to him, as far as the east is from the west, it's gone. You take from it, you learn, and you move on, and you do better. But that biblical morality is based in the history. If you lose the history, you lose the morality. And I see so many times non-Christians want biblical morality, but they don't want biblical God, and you can't let them have it. Because if there is no God that did what he said that he did, the way that he said that he did it, what makes what you think is right? What makes what you think is right? It's all each other choosing their things. And by the way, if you lose all that, you're definitely not going to keep an eternity. (laughs) If you can't trust the history, why do we have the eternity? And I'm saying to you, what's happened, if you want to become bold, is to, be, to understand what's being done to destroy that eternity. We have turned over the teaching of astronomy, biology, geology to the world that teaches a, a secular historical account that undermines the Word of God. Then we have been happy to be relegated to teaching our little fairy tales and our fables. We've got our, our good spiritual moral stuff. Be honest. If this group is giving me facts, and this group is giving me fairy tale fable to make me feel good, which one am I eventually going to go to? I know where I went. I spent a lot of time there because I've never been taught how to apply my faith in the real world. So church, if you want to become bold, this is the place that it starts. This is the environment where it begins, where we start teaching that generation how to apply their faith. When we send a, a, a child to a system where we're teaching little fairy tales and we, we break out our rinky-dinky boat picture of uh, the ark, I mean, think about this for a second. This picture got me banned from a church in Florida. It was a big church. And I, I came out and I'm doing this exact talk and I show this picture and the whole audience went quiet. I have not walked around your youth room. I don't know if you have this picture up. If you do, it's an illustration whole audience went quiet. And they, all, they all turned and looked to the left. And I was like, my right, their left. And I was like, that's weird. There was bushes and everything. I, I couldn't see over there. So I went out and I leaned over and I was like, ooh, I'm in trouble. I did not know that the youth pastor's daughter had just painted that on the wall. When I got off stage, he lived up to his name, which I won't tell you what it was, but it was not nice. He chewed me up and spit me out. How disrespectful. It's an illustration. Please, if you give this to your children and then tell them how Noah's Ark, all the animals, two of every seven of some, went on the boat, survived a year on the flood, and this is the image that they have in their mind, what do you think is going to happen? One of my dear friends, uh, my artist that's on staff with me, he, uh, he did this. He said, he loves the story of Noah's Ark because it's about a cute boat full of animals. Give it 18 years. He rejects the story of Noah's Ark because it's a cute boat full of animals. Was Noah's Ark a cute boat full of animals? No. It was a real historical account, real judgment, real sin, real consequences because of real actions, which, praise God, I hear a number of you have gone to the Ark in Kentucky. And I would highly encourage it because when you see it, it's not a joke. It's not a fairy tale. How they fit all the animals on the boat It's not that difficult, quite frankly. But if you give these pictures to that generation, I'm telling you right now, you are not doing them 
a service. Now, I use the pictures, but as a training, this is what the world's going to tell you about the ark, but this is what God's word says about the ark. And by the way, we've got one of our debunks. The very first debunk that we made, actually, was that one right there. How did they fit all the animals on the boat? And you can see it on YouTube, or if you did that debunk defender, it's in there. Take advantage. Here's my point, though. As we talked about in Sunday school, it starts here, starts with us, starts with parents pouring into children. Men, please create that environment in your home where you're having these conversations. Have a meal together. I know that's a novel idea. With no devices. Yeah, no devices. Look at each other. Talk to each other. Make it an environment where there can be talking because, you know, if there was a global flood, where did all the water come from? And instead of us pointing our children off on the Sunday school teacher, the pastor, or somebody else, we get in. We answer those questions. We use the Word of God. Hey, what does the Bible say? It doesn't just say from 40 days of rain that you got the earth flooded. It says the fountains of the deep broke open. If that were the case, then that means there should be some subterranean water out there. Guess what there is? There is more water still to this day, subterranean water, than there is visible water on the surface of our planet. Plenty of water. Oh, not enough water to flood, because, you know, if there was a global flood, where did all the water go to? Hmm. That's a tough question. Two-thirds of this planet is covered in water. I wonder where all that water went. If you take the deep sea valleys, right, and you take the mountains, raise the deep sea valleys, lower the mountains, there's enough water, visible water on this surface right now to cover the entire circumference of the earth to two miles in depth. Where'd the water go to? Been to the ocean recently? Hello. It's there. Plenty of water. Well, what about evidence for it? Did, they, did it really happen? Go to the top of any mountain on this planet. I don't care how tall it is. Guess what you're going to find? Evidence that it was underwater. Hmm. That's consistent with what God said. But I heard on Discovery Channel, it takes millions of years for that Grand Canyon to get carved out. Oh, no. Let's talk. Do you know that the actual latest explanations for the Grand Canyon getting carved out now says that it happened in days? Said it happened in days. That's secular scientist. Be patient. Give science time. They'll catch up with reality. Here's the point. When we teach this generation how to apply their faith to the questions that are being thrown at them in this world, now we're doing them a service. Then we, because I, I have parents tell me this, I'm sending my child to the public school because they're a missionary. You tell me any mission sending agency that sends somebody that is not trained and prepared to go into an environment to be a missionary. Tell me one that does that. You spend years learning language, learning culture, learning all these things so that you can go be effective to even have a hope at being a missionary. And we think we can justify sending untrained individuals into an environment, and then we're not even talking to them and pouring into them along the way? Guys, when you pour into them, then you really send them missionaries. Because now these questions come, what about, what about, what about, what about? Now they're prepared to deal with them. You want to become bold? It's going to take some work. Now, why do I do what I do? Why did I walk away from big ministry, the largest creation ministry on the planet? My job was to get the creation museum built. That was my job. I was the vice president for ministry relations. I was on the board for the first 10 years of Answers in Genesis. I was a board member for 10 years. And I walked away 10 years ago, this last January, to go talk to younger generation and men. That's not like a big career move. You know what I'm saying? It's like my calendar's booked a year and a half out, and you walk away to go talk to youth and men primarily? Yeah. Why? Because a little over 
11 years ago, my son came to me and said, Dad, you're going to be a grandfather. These are my grandchildren with my wife. There's a reason you show grandbaby pictures. I've said these things, and people are like, that guy's a jerk, man. He's a, he's, he's a jerk. Then you show the grandbaby pictures. Ooh, grandbabies. <laughs> they forget about the hard stuff. Please don't forget about the hard stuff. But when my son came to me and told me that I was going to be a grandfather, my heart literally fell through the floor because I'm like, I see what this generation is facing. They are under attack. So I got to go reach a generation that's going to have a bigger impact on my grandchildren than I will. So that's why I made that decision. I covet your prayers. I can show you video after video after video. I have got a lot of video from the street engaging with people. You know, people laugh when they see LB. I don't laugh at LB. It was 11 o'clock in the morning, Ann Arbor, Michigan, PhD candidate. He's walking down the street. He's drunk. LB, where do you place your hope? Hope? You live, you die, you rot. And that's all there is to it. Do we have a better message than that? Are we willing to tell somebody about it? Because that is the history that they're being taught. We have a different history. But the only way we can tell it is if we believe it. I love apologetics. But the only thing that's going to change what's going on is Jesus Christ. This is my goal, really, with dealing with apologetics, is to see this happen. Thank you for letting me be with you. Hang on. I will live my life according to these beliefs. God does not exist. It's just foolish to think that there is an all-knowing God with a cosmic plan. That an all-powerful God brings purpose to the pain and suffering in the world is a comforting thought. However, it is only wishful thinking. People can do as they please without eternal consequences. The idea that I am deserving of hell because of sin is a lie meant to make me a slave to those in power. The more you have, the happier you will be. Our existence has no grand meaning or purpose. In a world with no God, there is freedom to be who I want to be. But with God, life is an endless cycle of guilt and shame. Without God, everything is fine. It is ridiculous to think I am lost and in need of saving. And that's how I felt before Christ opened my eyes, changed my heart, and reversed my thinking. I am lost and in need of saving. It is ridiculous to think everything is fine without God. Life is an endless cycle of guilt and shame. But with God, there is freedom to be who I want to be. In a world with no God, our existence has no grand meaning or purpose. The more you have, the happier you will be, is a lie meant to make me a slave to those in power. Because of sin, I am deserving of hell. The idea that people can do as they please without eternal consequences is only wishful thinking. It is a comforting thought, however, that an all-powerful God brings purpose to the pain and suffering in the world, that there is an all-knowing God with a cosmic plan. It's foolish to think God does not exist. I will live my life according to these beliefs. church we have the hope of the gospel amen it's a hope that changes lives but we know that we're living in a world 
that does not believe that hope. And uh, so I was just so thankful for, Carl, your willingness just to come and, and to challenge us. Um, it is a challenge. So one thing that I've taken away from this weekend, and he's reminded us, I think, in every session, is ultimately we have a lot of young families in this church. Parents, that falls on us. It's our responsibility as parents to teach our children and to point them to the hope of Jesus Christ. It is not our schools, and it is not the church. The church is to come alongside of you. It is to help you. It is to assist you. Ultimately, that falls on us. Let them see the hope that is within us, and then let us teach them and point them to that hope. And so I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes and, and bow your head. I just want to give you a moment just to spend some time in prayer. And then I have a couple announcements I want to make. And we have a family that is coming for membership and we want to present them uh, this morning. But maybe the Lord has just laid something upon your heart this weekend. Maybe you're watching online. Uh, maybe you're thinking, look, I don't even know the hope of the gospel. Would you, just, would you just spend a moment in prayer? And then I will pray for you. Father God, I believe that right now at this moment, Lord, you're speaking to hearts, speaking to minds. Lord, you may be opening eyes for the first time. It could be someone who, as Carl has shared this weekend, just grew up in the church and been a part of ritual and, and just can recite and spout off verses, but God, they have never believed in you as, as not only creator, but as redeemer and savior through Jesus Christ. Father, would they, right now, would you speak to them? Would you convict them that they would confess that they are sinners in need of Jesus? Father, maybe you've convicted some of us who, Lord, we're guilty of, hey, let's focus on the morals, but let's just turn the rest over to the culture and into the world. That seems too hard for me, and I want to stick in this easier area. God, would you... Convict us that the gospel, the word of God, speaks to every issue of life. Father, maybe we're guilty of giving our opinions far too quickly, when instead we need to be far quicker to say, this is the word of God, and that's where I will stand. Lord, maybe we have people here who are burdened and just heartbroken. Because as Carl's talking about these students who are walking away, Lord, maybe that's their son or that's their daughter or maybe it's a grandchild. And Lord, they have abandoned the faith they once said they believed in. Maybe they have bought into the lies of the world. And God, I know that they're burdened for them. And Lord, we just lift them up. We pray for them, Spirit of God, that you would open their eyes, that they would see. That they would see what they were taught was not a fairy tale, but it is true. And their eternal destiny is at stake on whether or not they believe in Jesus Christ. Now, Father, I'm thankful, thankful this morning, God, that what I've seen over the past 15 months, and I know has been true for eight years, is that the students who have been under Pastor BJ's ministry, Lord, they weren't taught fluff. It hasn't been about drinking out of Cokes and socks and all the, all the fun stuff that a lot of people do. God, it is that they have been challenged 
to know the Word of God. And He's been faithful to do that. And so, Lord, I'm thankful that though it ultimately is on parents, we've had a student ministry, Lord, that has come alongside and has assisted those parents and has taught these students. And so, Lord, we are thankful for that. Father, continue. The work is great, and there's, there's much that needs to be done. So help us going forward, Father, for your glory and your honor. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, give me just a couple more minutes. Got some exciting uh, news. Man, God's working here at Northside. Amen. So we had a, a new members class last week, and several of our folks that were in the new members class have already joined. We presented them uh, to the church, and so uh, this morning we have another family. So I'll introduce each of them to you, um, and they're coming by letter from Palmetto Baptist Church. Um, and so this is Stephen and Jennifer Blackstock. If you all stand, I forgot. I'm not wearing my mic. I can't walk away. I'm used to walking. Uh, so this is Jen- Stephen and Jennifer Blackstock, and then. Uh, Tucker, which one's Tucker? If you'll just wave, there you go. Uh, Garrett, and they're twins, if you didn't know that. Um, and then Clayton. And so they're coming to join uh, with us and what God is doing here at Northside. So would you let them know that you rejoice in that decision, that you approve of that with just a hearty amen this morning? And then you can clap as well. Awesome. You guys can be seated. So maybe you're thinking, Blackstock, where do I know that name from? His brother, Scott, Karen, are members here at Northside. And so God is doing uh, a great work. Miss Barbara asked me last week, she said, do I get a week off? I got new people joining. I said, I'll give you one week off uh, as the clerk. And so, man, God is, God is definitely working. Let me just make some announcements about tonight. I want to encourage you uh, to come back. Uh, Carl's going to be speaking with us one more time at 5 o'clock, and we'll be right in here um, in the sanctuary. Then when he's done around six o'clock, uh, we're going to have a reception for the Cobbs. I mean, we just want you all to know how much we appreciate you and, and love you and, and we're excited for you um, as well. And so we'll have a reception and then we're going to make our way into the activity room where we're going to have our cake auction. I've heard a lot about this cake auction. So Brian and BJ, man, you can't disappoint, man. I'm looking forward to it. So um, it'll, it'll be a lot of fun, and we're going to have the cake auction to help raise money for our kids and our students who are going to camp. And so you want to be here tonight for that. One thing I failed to mention is our church conference. We changed the date, so pay attention to the bulletin this morning. It's now going to be on May 23rd. Our deacon of the week is Larry Smitherman. So, brother, if you'll come. Uh, while he's coming, can we just express our appreciation to Carl uh, one, one more time, please? Thank you, brother. Thank you. Uh, Carl lives in the great state of Kentucky. I always like to throw out Kentucky anytime I can. And so just a, a reminder, on your way out, we'll have uh, some guys out there, um, you know, he, he doesn't charge to come. He's given us all these resources for free. Uh, and so we want to take up a love offering just to support him and his family and his ministry so that he can keep doing these videos and keep just challenging our younger generation to see the truth. So if you'll stand, uh, Larry's going to close us with a word of prayer. What a day to be in the house of the Lord, huh? Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. For this day, we thank you for all the many blessings of this day, Lord. We thank you for uh, the message that 
you sent by Carl, Lord. Thank you for uh, this church family. I thank you personally for uh, for this church family, Lord, for the prayers, thoughts, fine food, fellowship, and love that they've extended our family over the past several weeks and months, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you would continue to keep your hand of blessing, encouragement, and strength upon each of us as we go about our business in the world each day, Lord. May you forgive us where we fail thee. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.